0: I spent three days last week at an intensive online seminar about how to help people struggling with compulsive, inappropriate sexual behavior, often involving the Internet. I'm still unpacking everything I learned, and will be for a while. But if you know anything about addiction recovery, you will know that every discussion of recovery always at some point involves understanding relationships in the family of origin. We humans are so deeply formed by our families that it should come as no surprise to us that broken, dysfunctional families can often create the behavior patterns that lead to addiction later in life. Well, as we were discussing dysfunctional families, one phrase really struck me. An unhealthy family values honor over honesty. An unhealthy family values honor over honesty. We have all seen this, either in person or maybe in the movies. In a family where one parent is an alcoholic, for example, the family never wants to acknowledge to others, or even to themselves, that anything is wrong. Oh, dad just gets that way sometimes. Or, oh, mom is just having a bad day. The family feels the need to sweep problematic behavior under the rug so that everyone thinks that they are fine and so that no one has to do the hard work of changing bad behavior. An unhealthy family values honor over honesty. I mention this because our readings today show us the opposite, the healthy behavior that favors truth. In the first reading, the prophet Jeremiah curses his life as a prophet. Jeremiah was a prophet of doom, warning Judah of its impending destruction at the hands of the Babylonians if they did not reform their ways. But Jeremiah hated having to preach as he did. He hated the mockery, the ridicule, and the derision. And yet, he could not stop because he felt compelled to preach the word of the Lord to the chosen people. And the truth was that the Jews were careening toward destruction because they had abandoned the Lord. Even though it was soul-crushing, Jeremiah sacrificed his honor for the sake of honesty. The Lord is similar in the Gospel. There are many reasons why Peter, who immediately before this declared that Jesus was the Christ, might have wanted to rebuke Jesus for speaking about his upcoming crucifixion. In my mind, the most likely reason is that Peter could not handle the idea that the Messiah he had chosen to follow would die the ignominious, torturous death reserved only for the worst criminals in the Roman Empire. Peter wanted to follow a Messiah— who was going to be a great king and conquering hero, not someone who would be considered a traitor by the leaders of the Jewish people. So Peter lied to himself, saying, God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. Peter thought that the Messiah should be honored, not executed. But Jesus, in very strong terms, declares that this is the work of Satan and the thoughts of men not the works and thoughts of God. Jesus, when he is preparing his disciples for the upcoming crucifixion, is speaking honestly about the brokenness of the world, the reality of human sin, and the mission of the Messiah, who will have to be swallowed up by that sin so that he can defeat it from the inside out. Jesus, the emotionally healthiest man ever to have lived, cared nothing about his honor if it came at the expense of honesty. So we know how the Lord would have us live our lives. But the thing about dysfunctional families is that they never choose to be dysfunctional. They fall into dysfunction and do not confront that dysfunction until they have had to face major debilitating consequences. My friends... As hard as it is to say, it strikes me that there is no family more dysfunctional than our holy Catholic Church, who is only now confronting the consequences of her dysfunction. In case you had not marked it in your mind, we have now reached the second anniversary of the revelations about former Cardinal Theodore McCarrick and the release of the Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report on sexual abuse in that state's Catholic dioceses. It has been almost two decades since the sexual abuse crisis first exploded onto the public stage in Boston. But it has been only two years since it became absolutely undeniably clear that the corruption in our church infected even our bishops and cardinals in a systematic way that we had not been honest about before. This entire crisis, from beginning until now, is the result of our family caring more about honor than honesty. We wanted the world to believe that our church was free of sin and free of sinners. We wanted to maintain the spotless, pedestaled image of the priesthood and episcopate. We wanted to save our institutions and our public image, even at the expense of the most vulnerable and innocent among us. We wanted to hide the fact that one of our friends or kin might have been hurt by the church. We did what any addicted family does. We put on a happy face and pretended like nothing was wrong. Until we faced the consequences. Until God used the media, just as he used the Babylonians in Jeremiah's time, to punish his chosen people, Until they were converted away from their sins. There are two points that I preached on two years ago when this first broke that I would like to make sure you hear from me here at Assumption. First, these crimes against the vulnerable were not sins by the church, they were sins against the church. The church consists of all those who are configured to Christ through baptism. And the victims are themselves the church who has been harmed by wolves in shepherds' clothing. Again, like an alcoholic parent, much of the trauma comes from the fact that a member of the family whose role was to protect has instead harmed the very family members they were supposed to be protecting. Second, as much as we were horrified by the content of the revelations— For most of us, it was our feelings of powerlessness to change the system that moved us to rage. And I share that rage. But we are not powerless. True change always begins locally. If we at Assumption remain fastidious about our safe environment policies, if I as a cleric work to be as transparent as possible about my own life and struggles, if we as a parish family strive to be the healthiest family we can be, these resolutions will affect the wider church. And this, my friends, is where this homily is headed. Making sure our parish family is healthy. Again, as our readings make clear, a healthy family values honesty over honor. And we would do well to do an examination of conscience about how well we live that out, so that our parish does not become a dysfunctional system, creating more dysfunctional systems. First, I would ask how we treat our public image. When someone attacks the Catholic Church or the Catholic priesthood, even out of hatred or bad faith, do we immediately get defensive and try to explain away all of their accusations? Or do we honestly acknowledge the sins and flaws of our fellow Catholics and the hierarchy of our church? When someone speaks about Assumption Parish in Bellingham, do we feel the need to provide an unfalteringly positive portrait of our parish family? Or are we comfortable talking about our flaws, too? like the fact that we can sometimes feel cold or disconnected, or that we do not always feel like we are on the same team or in the same family, or that our pastor can come off as rigid and unapproachable. When we speak of Christianity to someone who is considering it, do we ever talk about the fact that following Jesus requires carrying a cross, or do we conveniently forget that detail? Second, how do we treat sinners? Are we comfortable acknowledging that we ourselves are sinners in need of salvation? Are we open about the fact that we have struggles in faith, family, and everywhere else? Equally important, does our community make room for sinners? Do we welcome the searcher, the broken man, the depressed woman? even and especially when it turns out we have been sitting next to that person for 20 years? Do we rejoice when someone brings their struggles into the light, looking for healing? Or do we judge them and shun them because they are not the perfect image of the perfect Catholic? Do we value the honor of our perfect sinless image over the honesty of the reality of broken humanity? My brothers and sisters in Christ, as the ancient aphorism says, the church is not a club for saints, but a hospital for sinners. Each of us is a sinner, and though our church is of divine origin and her teachings receive divine protection, she is full of sinners. It is hard to acknowledge and make space for that brokenness, and it is so much easier to pretend that everything is just fine in our church, and in our lives. But pretending everything is fine is valuing honor over honesty, and it has to stop. Hiding our flaws is unhealthy and dysfunctional. It is the work of Satan and the thinking of men. But being honest about our sins and our struggles, bringing them into the light, and walking as a family who is not afraid of its flaws or its flawed members... This is the way of God. Honesty, integrity, and authenticity are healthy and healing. Dedicating ourselves to honesty and authenticity will ensure that we do not pass along the dysfunctions of the past to the generations of the future.